0: Welcome to this week's July 4th Independence Day edition of the Redheaded Preachers podcast. Today our scriptures are read by our elector Jessica Schneider, who this fall is going away to college. Um, the readings are from 2 Samuel, 2 Corinthians, and John 8. The sermon is just as much about our congregation. Our building as it is about uh, Independence Day and it's one of those messages which a took a long time to write and B uh, took a long time to keep short and C is a lifting up of some perspectives from Scripture that may help us uh, reframe how we think about uh, Independence Day and independence and power and freedom or strength and freedom as the title is. The title is Strength and Freedom, as well as how our church, as we uh, battle an increasingly expensive building uh, that has got repairs, calling that are really beyond our ability to take care of financially. So I, I talk about that without getting you know, into the, the weeds. So I hope you find this message enlightening and a blessing as we think about on Independence Day or the days after strength and freedom.
1: Our first reading is from Second Samuel, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, and then verses 9 and 10. After the prophet Samuel and the Lord had given up on King Saul, anointed David as the next and true king, and then a battle in which Saul died, it was time to make David's rule official, accepted across all of Israel, and Jerusalem made the capital. Here is part of that story. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Look, we are your bone and flesh. For some time while Saul was king over us, it was you who led us up who led Israel and brought it in. The Lord said to you, It is you who shall be shepherd of my people Israel, you who shall be ruler over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed King David over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and at Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah thirty-three years. David occupied the stronghold and named it the City of David. David built the city all around from the Milo inward, and David became greater and greater, for the Lord, the God of hosts, was with him. This ends the reading from 2 Samuel. Our Epistle lesson is from 2 Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 2 through 10. Paul is writing about some personal affliction, and the Elijah, the Elijah about it. I know a person in Christ who, fourteen years ago, was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that such a person, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise, and heard things that are not to be told. That no mortal is permitted to repeat on behalf of such one i will boast but on my own behalf i will not boast except with my weaknesses but if i wish to boast i will not be a fool for i will be speaking the truth but i refrain from it so that no one may think better of me than what is seen in me or heard from me even considering the exceptional character of the revelations therefore to keep me from being too elated a thorn was given Me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me, but he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me.
0: Therefore I am
1: content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong." This ends the Epistle reading. Today it comes not from the lectionary suggested in Mark 6, but from John 8, verses 31 through 38. Jesus has been discussing things and disputing things with some of his fellow Jews. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are the descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. You are descendants of Abraham, yet you look for an opportunity to kill me, because there is no place in you for my word. I declare what I have seen in the Father's presence. As for you, you should do what you have heard from the Father. Here ends the reading of the Gospel, and today's readings from the Scripture. Let us give thanks to God for this. The Word of God of life, for the life of the people of God.
0: Strength and freedom may be two words we'll hear this Independence Day, especially freedom. How the world looks at and experiences those words and how people of the book do can be rather different. I picked these passages with an eye towards a more faithful understanding of this celebration through the lens of the scriptures in hopes they would illumine our hearts and minds about our nation since its inception. How have we been strong? And what does freedom mean? I never did really agree with Roger Miller's lyrics sung by Christopherson and Joplin, among others, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. But we all have our definitions. What's ours, especially on Independence Day and when ample access to voting and the legitimacy of voting are threatened in some places. And veering a little, but staying with this idea of what the scripture is giving us about strength and freedom, if you have been part of recent discussions about this congregation and this building, and there's another one as Jen said in the announcements on Thursday, um, and by the way, that's our building and the congregation are not identical. Uh, you might want to stick around for this it could shine some light on how to prayerfully seek strength and freedom for our church and our forward progress and process because like i said how our society experiences and thinks about strength and freedom do not have to mesh with the new testament teachings with time being short and my having preached often enough on what I see as risks to our democratic republic, it also is apropos for me then to spend some time on the current situation with St. Peter's UCC and these passages. Strength. It's good to feel strong, to know the satisfaction, for example, of reaching a level of pounds you can lift miles that you now can walk or run, to succeed in athletics, in ministry, in a career path, on a stage, or to be relieved of a recent bout of depression, unto feeling pretty darn good and strong. Strength is often linked to accomplishments, whether they are known to others or are private within ourselves. With some humility and thanks to God, we can still say we did it. I included the passage from Second Samuel because it showed David's f- uh, the fulfillment initially of his ascent to power and establishing it in Jerusalem. He is now starting his rule of both Judah and Israel, which will become remembered as half of Israel's golden age. Strength in an earthly understanding, but also because, as the passage ends, the Lord, the God of hosts, was with him. David acknowledged that. Power from a worldly view, with David's faith seeing a spiritual dimension. Then comes, not in our scriptures, but in the scripture, the prophet Elijah, he's on the run after the big contest against the Baalites in Atman Carmel, Elijah and the Lord triumph totally spent. Jezebel puts a hit out on him. He runs away, and he is just wiped out. Jesus on trial, stripped naked, whipped, and crucified for all the pilgrims coming into Jerusalem for Passover to see. And then Paul writing to the Corinthians, speaking of the tribulations of ministry, elation at mystic revelation, and then the thorn in his side tormenting him. These are not about strength. Unlike the story from 2 Samuel, they tell stories of weakness. Yet in weakness, God's power can be demonstrated. On Calvary, Jesus did not end his life by saying, I did it, but... It is finished. And into your hands I commit my spirit. It is complete. Paul, in his misery, which the Lord did not remove from him, did not say, oh, I'll get by, or the Lord will deliver me. They did, Paul and Jesus did, however, like Elijah in his own way, centuries before, experience strength from outside themselves power from god to keep to power from god given to them to keep working god's purposes out and speaking of jesus talk we can see the sort of oxymoron of strength in weakness god's power in this case works god's power or strength works in the weakness of the cross, which shows that love is the most powerful thing in the world. In Jesus Christ, weak, in agony, dying, God's love for us sinners is doing one of, if not what the most profound things that he came to do, bring the forgiveness for all of our trespasses, all of our sins, His death washes us clean even in the Hebrew scriptures it was the shedding of blood that made atonement for sin and forgiveness makes reconciliation with God a reality a bridge is built has been built for you and me to walk back to God and stay there and having communion gives us food for that journey and that residence to the mocking world At Calvary, it was ultimate weakness at the hands of fearful business-as-usual power. In God, it was strength to achieve God's greater design, which is restoration, peace, love, and so much more. Strength in weakness. Paul, I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me, let this cup pass from me, get away this thorn out of my flesh, which we still are not positive what that was. But he said to me, writes Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for power, and in other, in other ancient authority say, my power, for power is made perfect in weakness. Later, Paul summarized, So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. Before moving to freedom, I want to point out the use of the word in. Linda Belleville wrote, she wrote a whole commentary just on 2 Corinthians, and she said about this, Paul's statement is a rather startling one. God's power neither displaces weakness, get out of here, nor overcomes it. On the contrary, she writes, it comes to its full strength in it. At at issue is how God manifests God's power. Indeed, God's power is, and she put in italics, made perfect in weakness she teaches these very weaknesses afford the opportunity afford the opportunity for the power of Christ to rest and she's quoting the to rest on him the, the verb episkenao actually means to make one's quarters in, or to take up one's abode in. So God's power not merely rested on or over Paul, she writes, but took up residence in him. The point throughout has been that Christ's power has has perfected in, not in spite of, weakness. And for me, the starting point to, to comprehend this is still Jesus Christ crucified. You and I go through some pretty grueling things in life. Some of you are doing so right now. We go through weaknesses, and probably not as a consequence of our discipleship, but it could be. That was Paul's case, Jesus' case. But you and I in St. Peter's, facing our financially untenable cost of structural repairs while maintaining our missions and ministries in this place, facing our weakness, can look at this as a time to seek. Where is the power of God showing forth in our weakness? God is not taking away our thorns or currently overcoming them, yet our scriptures indicate that it is in our weaknesses that God's strength comes to its full strength in us. So let us open the eyes of our minds and souls for that and see what there is. Strength and freedom. We've learned a lot about freedom and how in this country it was, at first, almost totally limited to white Americans, particularly as the West has conquered. Most of us have been confronted as never before how unfree it was to be black in these United States and people of color. And these are ongoing forums and understandings where we pray progress continues to be made. In the name of the creator of us all, and the Jesus who died for us all, and the prophets who cry out for justice. free. In the Bible, when we run into freedom, it's tied to history, mostly. The exodus of the slaves from Egypt freedom lost to Judah as the people were taken into Babylonian exile continued throughout the Roman Empire in Christ's time but it also brings our minds to that famous phrase seen at colleges and quoted by politicians the truth shall set you free. Again thinking about Saint Peter's, what can that mean for us? You know me, let's look at the larger passage. There is a reference to believing in Jesus, to faith in the person, not merely intellectual assent to the teaching. So this verse coming up about knowing the truth which will set you free has a context of finding Jesus and his life more than trustworthy. It lays the groundwork for the more well-known saying and directs its meanings for Christians. So it says he was speaking to those who believed in him. If you continue in my word, Jesus said, that was a conditional. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. Okay, stop. A disciple, a student of Christ, is expected by Jesus to continue living our lives by his teachings, his example, which go from some really strict and tough teachings in the Sermon on the Mount to love God with all you have and love your neighbor as yourself. 1 John talks about Christ's commandments not being burdensome and lays it out. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the way we are to live if we believe. And if we believe and love and learn and stay in this word, we are really his disciples. And then we can see what follows as applying to us. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Freedom, for you and me, is not just about our rights and privileges as citizens of this country. For followers of Jesus, freedom comes in another dimension, too. Freedom comes when we find the truth which emerges from staying in and obeying the words of love and mercy. Now, in this case, Jesus makes it plain in what he says next. That he's about what he's about here has to do with spiritual freedom from our sin and our guilt, at least. And really, it's about more than that. But directly, what he talks about, he talks about how we are slaves to sin and to because we commit it. Probably again and again because we're humans and we're imperfect beings. But who can free the slaves in a household? The slaves can't. But he says the son can. The son who came for them, died and rose again for them, this one can liberate them from their sins in this life and in and for the future. It's good news. The truth is the good news. The truth is the good news. And it liberates those. It frees those who stay in the word of forgiveness and love, etc. That's spiritual freedom, which is both freedom from and freedom for. Or freedom too. I want to wrap this up, but I'm always reminded of Galatians 5 when Paul talks about Christian freedom to some people who are misunderstanding it, and he says clearly that the freedom we have been given by God through Christ is not only freedom from sin and its guilt, but also freedom to serve one another in love. It's the freedom to love. The freedom to let go of our ego holding us back, if it is holding us back, to love one another. Our pride is replaced by modesty and a desire to look out for how we can help one another, especially those most in need of assistance. Christian liberty is not about being free to do what you want, although lots of conservative Christians thought that it meant they were free to ignore COVID protocols and not wear masks around people, and therefore, since it was more meant to protect the others, you were you were being free to. Ignore those and risk the lives of others if you were an anonymous carrier. That was no love for others. That was no serving of others. That was just an abuse of what was called freedom. Bible-believing Christians, however, should know that they were wrong. We are free from ourselves, from having to serve that ego, that self-orientation all the time, and freed for attending to others who need or want us and what can benefit their health. That is Christ-like. That even finds us in a situation, if that finds us into a situation of of weakness or pain, let's look where God's power starts living in us and shining through. So how might this perspective on freedom, freedom from and freedom for, speak to St. Peter's in July 2021? How might this aspect of strength? For the world will say what it will on Independence Day, lots of it good. The church can nod its head and hold other views from its own book, capital B, as well. That's good news. Amen. Hello again. I hope, though, the message wasn't uh, so much about Independence Day or some of the themes of Independence Day that you still got something out of the message. It was a different take. You know, I've been preaching for a few decades, and sometimes a different take is what speaks to you. Next week will be July 11th, the heart of summer, and the gospel passages are going to be out of 2 Samuel again, and the gospel according to Mark. And that's it. There will not be an epistle reading. And um, I don't know what I'm going to do with those readings, but I'm going to do my, uh, I'm going to do the best I can under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So thanks again for listening. And if you like this podcast, feel free to talk to others about it. And uh, that'd be appreciated too. Thank you once again and may God bless your week. Bye.